I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Twelve Pack Radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to Twelve Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Beta Rank College Football Advanced Statistical Model, which crushed it yet again. We'll talk about that. Follow us on SharpCollegeFootball.com uh, for all of Rob's numbers, and the home of your Pac-12 gambling source with Mr. Max Meyer from Sports Illustrated Gambling. Thank you for joining us. Um, we are live from the Vivid Seat Studio, by the way. Clothing optional. Talk about that in a second. Um, Thank you. You can follow us on Twitter at 12 Pack Radio. You can subscribe to the podcast for free on Google Play, TuneIn Radio, Spotify, Stitcher, you name it. We are there. And if you've been following this podcast and you like it, um, I actually had the privilege of going out to uh, to grab a drink with one of our listeners in Washington. <laughs> so shout, shout out to Ryan. Um, if you guys like this podcast, it would be um, the one thing you could do is to write a review for us on Apple Podcasts. It's super easy. Bring up the show. Scroll down to Apple Podcasts. There's so many Pac-12 podcasts out there right now. And I think this is the uh, a really high quality show. So it'd be a big help for us for people that are searching for the show. If you could write a review, it helps us pop up on everybody's search uh and 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 by the way if you were the gentleman that wrote a bad review of us because we weren't covering asu because they were going to be the conference champions in the spectral south you can go ahead and change that you can actually edit your reviews give us five stars and say you know what i was wrong i was wrong um asu is is a good team and they're growing but they're not quite there yet (laughs) i'm kind of i'm kind of kidding rob but uh uh but not really what's going on man how are you I'm good. I'm good. Like Beta Rank had a great weekend. Uh, like I'm a little. I'm a little worried. Navy has Navy just will not go away. They keep hanging around in Beta Rank's top ten. But uh, the that hypothesis by the model gets tested this weekend at Notre Dame or with Notre Dame. Yeah, so. they're they're in like the top eight. I should say though, what, what did Beta Rank do against the spread yet again? Uh, there it was about sixty percent again. Oh. So just above sixty percent, which is four weeks in a row. And I took. Um, the spreads that were there was a six and a, a six or more point discrepancy between Baderank and um, and the spread and went eight and one and and that has been like it, it is it has been lucrative so um, now no promises it'll do it again next week but I think Baderank is rolling right now so very fun to be a part of that and we are joined by Mister Max Meyer welcome back we missed you last week but I'm glad that you got to check out a Monday night football game. Yeah, um, I don't know if I'm going to be going to any more Monday Night Football games at MetLife. Uh, I actually, I left in the third quarter just because I thought I would beat the traffic home, and it still took me an hour and a half to get back when it's normally like a 30-minute drive. So, oh, yuck. Yeah. Um, I mean, and I, don't get me wrong, it, it was a cool experience, but 
I'm too I'm too old now. I can't stay out that late on on a on a Monday night. So we are we are nationwide. We have uh, folks in the Midwest and on the East Coast, and I'm recording from the West Coast. One thing I do not miss is those late night, um, particularly the Pac-12, where there'd be like a Pac-12 basketball game that would start at 11 o'clock Eastern time. <laughs> like oh, I gotta watch this game, and uh, I do not miss that. But it is kind of fun to know that you can get home, eat your food, and then like turn on a Pac-12 game. So there's pluses and minuses to both of those. Um, um, guys, we're gonna we're gonna change up the podcast a little bit. I want to keep this fresh as we as we move on. I don't want to fall into like a, a rut. And so, what we're gonna do instead of just giving our general impressions, we're gonna start a new section uh, that's called Big Stakes and Hipster Takes, where each of us is gonna give one big stakes, like big picture uh, uh, thing that we saw in the previous week, and then we're gonna give more of like a hipster take. You know, something that maybe. Uh, some of our fans and, and people that are only following one team may not uh, have seen uh, throughout the conference in the previous week. And then we're also going to review the games and, and the front end of the podcast and dedicate the second half of the podcast 100% to the bets that we have coming up. Rough week, rough week. Uh, Max, you and I, I think, went both went one and three. It was the first time, I think, that we've both gone under 500 in like four or five weeks, Max. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't on the podcast to discuss the games with you guys, and and so I feel like that definitely uh, played a part in the poor performance. <laughs> iron sharpens iron. That is that is for certain. Um, before we get into our uh, big stakes and hipster takes portion, want to mention we are again live from the Vivid Seat Studio. There are a lot of games coming up. Four weeks. Uh, there were four games last week. There's like six of them this week. If you want to go to a game and you haven't used Vivid Seats yet, um, you can use the promo code Overtime on their app. You just download the app. Use the promo code Overtime. Get up to 10% off your ticket. Or, I'm sorry, get up to $100, $100 off of your ticket. Depends on which tickets you're buying. Um, but it's a really good app. Again, I use this. I've mentioned this before. I'm a big fan of the app. I used it to get tickets to the Washington and Arizona game and got them at a price that I could not get anywhere else, um, particularly as a first-time user. So download that app and use the promo code overtime and save on your tickets. Um, I'll, I'll open this up here, guys, uh, with my big take was Washington. I, I think it has become crystal clear that Washington is a good team, not a great team. The the teams that they play that they've lost to, um, they either ran into them at an interesting time, like obviously Cal, uh, you know, at one o'clock in the morning, but it was a Cal defense that was fired up and ready to go. They had Chase Garbers there moving the offense, which I think was improved when he was there. But the losses to Oregon, you know, Oregon is a better team than Washington, but not by that much. And Utah, which is a better team than Washington, but not by that much. And guys, I think that uh, the next next year is where we're going to, as long as Jacob Eason can keep those turnovers, uh, you know, to a minimum, I think Washington's going to be a really good team next year, Max. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, it depends if Eason comes back just because he is draft eligible. So you, you never really know. Um, but I, I just think with the young talent on defense, like all this experience uh, can only help. Uh, I've actually been really impressed with their um, growth in special teams. Like, it's been mostly a disaster in the Chris Peterson era, but th- this season, I mean, I know that Peyton Henry uh, missed, a f- I think, his first field goal of the season, actually, in Corvallis. But overall, I-, I think that that unit has actually been a big plus so far. Um, and then the offense, I- I- there's a lot of intriguing weapons um, by- led-, led by like tight end Hunter Bryant. Uh, Puka Naku was out for the season, but I, I thought he was really, the- as a true freshman, he was really promising in his limited action. Um, is, is Savan Ahmed, what year is he? He's got to be what, a junior? I think he's a junior, right? Yeah. yeah. And so, they really like Newton, 
who, who's definitely an underclass. I think he's just a sophomore, if not a redshirt freshman. I think he's a true freshman. Like, I, like that guy's awesome. <laughs> he's they got a good. Uh, yeah, they'll have an awesome backfield. Yeah, and I, I just looked up Ahmed's a junior. Um, they're going to be returning a lot of pieces. And the reason why I was so down on them coming into this year is that they lost so many starters and that's not going to be the case next year. And with or with all that Oregon's going to lose. And, um, I mean, Stanford, obviously, uh, taking a step back, Washington state under leech is always interesting, but I, I think that Washington is definitely going to be the team to beat, uh, in the PAC 12 North next season. Yeah, really interesting to see how they grow, particularly that young defense, um, and this, and then the secondary uh, in particular. If, mm-hmm. if you were Eason, and, and where they lose folks, it's on the offensive line coming into next year. Mm. Would you come back to play in this offense? I mean, I don't know. It, would they, I mean, Oregon State's defense is terrible, um, and while Washington's defense had a very good game, and I think managed to show the sort of limits of scheme uh, that Oregon State could do, because I, I think Washington's talent that they had really showed out in that game. Um, the offense kind of stunk uh, in that game. I mean, like if, if Easton comes back, you really like the like the pieces, um, but I don't know, like Bush Hamdan and uh, Chris Peterson, like they, they did, there was a lot of talk about fixing things in the off season. It looked better early. Um, they've really come back to sort of mediocre right now, like right about where they were grading last season and uh, at 55 and beta rank on offense. So they've got some, I think they've got some work to do and they, they really need to be rotating in offensive linemen sort of down the stretch to try to get some guys some more experience. You know, that's an interesting point. Let's just talk about Washington, Oregon state. So Washington beat Oregon state 19 to seven. Um, Oregon State's only uh, touchdown was not on the offensive side, so we should make that a uh, point. So they they certainly shut down Oregon State's defense, and that's kind of actually a hipster take that I have on that front. But Jacob Eason, 16 for 32, 175 yards, two interceptions max. I mean, good my goodness. Now, like you mentioned, Ahmed had a great game, 174 yards, two touchdowns on the ground. But uh, and we had talked a little bit about this last week in regards to the uh, – just the, the offense in uh well first of all washington's offensive line is sneaky underrated in terms of the returning production um they take off and i think a lot of washington fans were pointing the finger at um Brown. oh yeah browning yeah yeah i mean they, they were pointing the finger at browning he certainly had had the warts uh but he also had some experience and just the offense seems to be be sputtering out max do you think that this is just a bad stretch for them or should there be some alarm bells I, I mean, I just think weird, like playing a Friday night game in Corvallis, I, I just think that weird things are, are typically bound to happen. Um, but I mean, wa- this Washington offense has been very Jekyll and Hyde this entire season. Uh, just, I mean, looking back, I, I think they were even, they might have been even worse against, against Stanford uh, earlier in the season. And it, it just seems like Eason and company away from home. Uh, they did have the monster game against BYU and against Arizona, like the first half against Arizona, the offense w- was pretty stagnant. And then they, and then they just blew it out of the water in the second half. It's just a very inconsistent unit overall. And I, I'm with Rob and I, I just, I haven't been very impressed with him during his time at Washington. And I think in order to take the leap there, they, they might have to make a change there. 
Mm. I want to flip over to to Oregon State here, and I sh- we should give props to, by the way, Washington's defense. We've been talking about Oregon State's um, amazing offense and their ability to move the ball. Uh, I do think that there's an asterisk there, and and that's when they play teams that are really good. And I think Baderank, I'm cu- I'm curious to see how far. Um, Oregon State's defense fell uh, after basically scoring zero points uh, against Washington after they played a good defense. Look at, look at these numbers. Jake Luton, 19 for 28 for 88 yards. They they rushed a total of 75 yards, period. And that's when you take out sacks. Uh, and that's about it. Isaiah Hodgins, uh, four for 33. I mean, just nothing at all, Rob, on this fret. Where, where is Oregon State's offense? Because it seems like they move really well against teams that are bad. And this came up when I was on Mark Rogers' show. I was talking about Khalil Tate and Arizona's offense. And this was in, right after 2017, before the season started. And I had started touting up Arizona's offense as being, you know, this offense is amazing. And they're going to just, they're just going to run through people. And Mark stopped me and he said, hey, I get you. But once they play against people that can shove them around and have better athletes Arizona's offense is not going to be you know a top 10 offense and he challenged that and I thought he was crazy town and he was right (laughs) because once Arizona played teams that uh, figured out scheme and had the better athletes they were able to be shut down that seems like what happened to Oregon State yeah they Oregon State in some ways I mean they really only have Hodgins as a patch catcher um, and Luton and the off the offensive line which has been good and I think is good enough to really contain sort of less talented defensive lines out there. Um, they really struggled with, with Washington's talent. I think Washington, they had a good scheme in this game, but they didn't, they didn't necessarily have to have a good scheme in this game. They certainly had the talent to come up and um, really shut down the Beavers and Oregon state's offense fell all the way down to 24 um, after this game, which feels a bit more right. I mean, they they really, I mean, remember where they had that game where they, they got pasted by Utah at home. <laughs> um, again, by a, a superior, you know, a, a defense that just has a ton more talent than they have. I would say, however, like the thing about scheme, though, is, is I mean, and I would say with Smith is I would still be encouraged if you're an Oregon State fan. Smith is bringing in more talent um, and he doesn't have to recruit at, at like his I think his scheme is good enough. He doesn't have to recruit at a, a top, top level. But they are uh, you you sort of can't scheme around you know, a lack of talent, um, perfectly. And I think they really ran into trouble, uh, in this game. So, um, I'm still, I mean, if you're a Beavers fan, still be excited. I mean, if you're a Huskies fan, still be excited. Although I think a lot of, I mean, I, I follow and I, you know, a lot of Washington, uh, fans on Twitter and they were, um, pretty actually despondent after the game about the offense. Max, what do you got here in terms of, uh, your big stakes? Um, so I, for my big take, I, I would just say like how far Arizona state has fallen, um, I mean, ever since that upset win over Cal on, on Friday night and then and then they became ranked, uh, they really squeaked one out at home against Washington State in a game that I thought was pretty evenly matched. And then they got blown out against Utah. Uh, the UCLA game, they were also embarrassed and they needed 22 points in the fourth quarter just to make the score look respectable, even though the game wasn't. And then, uh, and then they allowed 297 yards and four touchdowns to Keaton Slovis just in the first quarter. Now, granted, the fact that this is a Clay Helton coach team, uh, it's never easy with USC. So the Trojans only scored three points the rest of the way. And, and I'll, I'll give credit where credit is due. Uh, Arizona State definitely adjusted their coverage, but ooh, that I just the the. The way that their defense was shredded by USC's receivers and by Keenan Christian and by Slovis in the first quarter, I, I, I just I couldn't believe it. 
And now it's it's a pick 'em going to Corvallis. And Oregon State's really struggled at home this year. But this seems like this could be a, an optimal matchup for the Beavers. It's just we, we were touting Arizona State as a surprise contender, and now they've really fallen back. And I still actually think that they uh, could be the favorite in the Pac-12 South next year, but I, I need to see some sort of life from them uh, in the final uh, month of this season to, I guess, go forth with that claim heading into the offseason. Like you mentioned, USC just exploded out of the gate, and I think what they had four touchdowns the first quarter. Um, USC ends up winning the game 31 to 26 on a last minute, you know, tip and an interception by a defensive lineman, which was quite impressive. Um, Slovis had himself a heck of a first half, 29 for 39, 432 yards total, four touchdowns and a pick. Uh, like you mentioned, Keenan Kristen, I, I don't think he's quite there. And Max, you weren't on the podcast last week, but Rob and I had talked about his just ability to get out in space. And he's so fast and so talented. Doesn't quite have, I think he needs another year of seasoning and he's just going to be a star, but really showed what he can do. You know, at first I was like, Oh man, he really didn't have that great of a, a game on the ground, but uh, four catches for 82 yards and two touchdowns, including one where he, he just like, uh, I think it was the Jack Jones tried to strip him and, and he was gone. I mean, just, just don't do that. Just tackle the man. He's going to fall right down. Um, what are your thoughts on Kristen? Because for me, I think USC is going to have um, it's going to have a, lo- a lot of guys to to juggle next year, and that's a good problem to have. Yeah, uh, Kristen. I mean, he's definitely a, he's a home run hitter. Uh, he reminds me uh, actually kind of like a, a healthy Stephen Carr uh, in Carr's freshman year. He just has incredible top end speed, but he also he isn't afraid to get physical and, you know, bully, bully an incoming tackler because you, you saw that, uh, at least on, on one of his big, uh, one of his big plays where, uh, Jack Jones tried to strip him, like you were saying, and he, and he still evaded it, even though it was a weak tackle attempt by Jones. But I think he, I think he's a really solid all around back and USC is going to have, uh, a lot of talent there. And I mean, every season it, it seems like USC has an enviable uh, level of talent at the skill position. And, and that'll be the case again next year. Rob, we should mention that USC barely beat ASU uh, with ASU second string quarterback. Jody Yellen comes in. Um, it, Max had mentioned that the word of Jane Daniels being out of the game came, leaked out on Friday. I wish I would have known that I would have definitely tweeted, Hey, I'm switching my pick, <laughs> but still <laughs> four touchdowns, two interceptions. Uh, now the interceptions were a little rough, but um, I, that, that was better than I would have anticipated against SC's defense. Yeah. I mean, for a guy that really has not had any reps hardly as they've tried to get Daniels as many reps as possible uh, in game, I mean, or hardly any reps anyway, he was good. I mean, for the most part, you can't really expect much more from your backup. Um, you know, four touchdowns, almost 300 yards. That's that that's passable. And he had no running game support. I mean, Benjamin only had 52 yards. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, you 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 feel you feel decent at least that you have a a, a viable young backup um, if you're ASU. Although he certainly played well enough that uh, you have to be worried about him transferring out now. <laughs> <laughs> in search of playing time after um you know putting that perform kind of performance on out there i, I think it's interesting because like us like you guys talked like usc came out so hot i mean um you know you, you could you could really say that slovis had himself a full game worth of stats in the first quarter but then i mean really had to sort of you know button down and hang on uh i think it's i think that's really uh interesting that they're they've ended up sort of there you know but 
that USC wasn't able to sort of keep it going offensively. Um, they seem to really turn it off. ASU does not really have a great defense. So um, USD just seemed to lose focus after, after going up big and then sort of had to hang on to it. You, you know, we went out hot against ASU at the beginning of the podcast, but I really want them to succeed. And I think Herm has them pointed in a pretty good direction. I love Herm Edwards. Like, I, I think it's really difficult not to like the guy. He has a great personality. Seems like he really cares about his players. I mean, w- when you talk about leadership and you think of all these like alpha male coaches that are just screaming at their players, that's the exact opposite at ASU. It just seems anyway, th- there's a lot of things I like about that program. And um, they certainly have some talent. I hope that they are able to step it up uh, at the end of the year but also in the coming years uh, they just seems like the hiring of antonio pierce and then danny gonzalez like just seems like he's putting the right people in, in a position to elevate that program past the seven and five which by the way is probably what they're going to finish with anyway but uh, the, the foundation seems to be a little bit stronger uh, max what else do you have what's, what's your hipster take here my hipster's take is that i feel that we have an underrated uh chess match rivalry or coaching rivalry brewing with cal and washington state so last year, I mean, Justin Wilcox held Mike Leach and Gardner Minshew uh, to 19 points in bowl minute in a 1913 game. And then Cal, as a seven and a half point home underdog, once again, doing a, a really nice job uh, limiting the damage. And I know Anthony Gordon finished with over 400 yards, but I just I really liked how Cal uh, responded after a couple of uh, bad losses. And Devin Monster, he balled. Uh, he uh, Washington State's defense. Um, there's there's a reason why Tracy Clays resigned earlier in the season. And they did have, I mean, they did have that nice performance against Colorado, but then allowing 37 to Oregon, and now allowing, and now allowing Monster to average 9.6 yards per attempt and three touchdowns, and for Cal to score 33, man, that is something. And I couldn't believe that Washington State opened as I think it was a 12 point favorite over Stanford. I mean, with that defense, how how can you trust them? <laughs> Rod, there's a lot to cover in this game. Obviously, Cal, like Max mentioned, blew the doors off 33 to 20. Uh, you want to take first step at this game because you can go in many directions. Yeah, I mean, coming in, it was it was really a matchup of strength on strength. And that's why I, mean, I think the line sort of stayed where it was. It was Cal's fantastic secondary which created out a number two an effective pass and beta rank versus uh washington state's number one ranked uh passing offense um and cal secondary really won out i mean they gave up yards they didn't give up points um they really frustrated uh you know gordon and frustrated leach i think very well and they they did a really really good job making them earn it. I mean, Gordon this season, he's different. He's a different passer. We've talked about this than uh, Minchie was. He, he takes advantage of a pretty good offensive line and will sit back and, and wait for guys to come open, throws more deep balls. He struggled. He had to, he, you know, had some incompletions, had to take, you know, more, uh, more check downs, uh, real, real smart game plan. I think by Cal in this game, I, I think Max is right there. Yeah, but the I mean the defense is terrible, and eventually Cal had to get it going against one of the terrible defenses they played. Right, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Ma, yeah, Monster played well, and I mean had had a great stat line. I think, uh, and they were if you are Washington State, like you you do realize like you can't have off off nights. I think, but I think they're talented enough that if you if you line them up against a you know a you know middle of the road defense, I think that you know they're gonna they're gonna put up some points. The moment this game kicked off, like it, it was 
it wasn't basically over, obviously, like, you know, Washington State could have come back. But the inexplicable first pass pick that Anthony Gordon threw, which was like seven yards away from where his wide receiver was, and it just got picked. I thought, oh, no, because <laughs> Cal was able to score off of that. And then the other thing to mention, too, Max, is that we had a Pac-12 ref suspended who called, uh, I think it was illegal hands of the face, either face mask or illegal hands of the face on a special teams play. And, and our guy, Ryan, actually passed it on to me, and then it, it popped up on ESPN like a, like six hours later. But basically, there was a, a 59-yard uh, special teams play that was negated because the Pac-12 ref called it on the wrong team. <laughs> he just announced the wrong team, and they just went with it because uh, they ended up they ended up uh, uh, hiking the football, and it didn't matter anymore. So that Pac-12 ref is suspended, and Woody Hayes strikes again. You know how bad you have to be to be suspended as a Pac-12 rep? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, that's, that's honestly, it, it, it doesn't get any better in this conference. That's all I have to say. It's, it really is surreal. Now, now Washington State w- likely would have lost anyway, but I should mention, like, that call came at a pretty important time where – I I know like look Rob you're probably going to laugh at me but I do think momentum in football is is something sometimes Oh no momentum matters. Okay. Yeah and uh you know you get the ball you know I think it was on like a 40 or whatever and you're able to start a drive and that offense is is obviously very potent and I know they were going up against a bad or a, an excellent Cal secondary but um I don't know. It, it was just a play that could have at least swung a little bit more on the side of Washington State. They still would have had a, an uphill battle to climb. But my goodness, Rob, like <laughs> that's like a. But that's so they would have gotten the ball at the uh, thirty-six. They ended up with the ball on the eight. That's almost a full points worth of field position. Yeah, that's Fifty-six yards. That's that's crazy. <laughs> oh wait, it was the opposite thirty-eight. That's like ah. a point and a half of field position right there. Um, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's an unbelievably huge mistake that I, I mean, you could legitimately say could have actually turned the game. Oh my gosh. Well, you do what you got to do. Um, <laughs> that's by the way, that's the second just incredibly egregious call against Washington state from the PAC 12, uh, refs in the last two years. So if I were in Wazoo, uh, I would be lighting things on fire right now. Rob, you have a, what's, what's your big take here? So in the, in the big picture of like, Hey, Washington headed in the right direction. Man, we talked about it before the season that Stanford, you know, it's sort of been slipping, um, uh, you know, a bit. And that uh, there were some things that, that that were, you know, maybe covering up for some some recruiting misses. And the fact that they, they their defense really hasn't been the same since their old defensive line coach retired. Um, they lost the guy that was their offensive line coach and offensive coordinator to be the head coach at Rice. And their offensive line hasn't really been the same since. Um, I think we sort of knew that the schedule was going to be tough this season and that there were going to be some, you know, that their record, they might be better than their record. They went into this game with the worst team in the Pac-12, Colorado, with KJ Costello healthy. And he, I mean, he looked fine. Like he, he, he was slinging the ball around um, against, you know, Arizona. I don't, I don't look at it and think that, um, that this was something where you know, Costello came back and he, he didn't have time to repair or anything along those lines. He's a senior. He knows what he's doing. What is, I mean, they're, what is Stanford? That, that was a terrible offensive game for them against a bad defense. I mean, Colorado's defense grades out at number 94 in beta rank. Um, they're not going to have Costello back next year. Uh, you know, the defense, you know, sort of seems to have found the new normal somewhere in the, you know, 40 to 60 range. 
they've made up for it by having a very good offense, either by running the ball or throwing the ball, but without Costello and the lines not being great. I don't know. I mean, it just feels like Stanford may, they're sort of slow decline from the sort of heights where they were. If there would have been a playoff a couple of years ago, Stanford would have probably made it to where they are now. I mean, I, I could see in like two or three years, Stanford, you know, missing bowls, you know, a couple of years in a row. Max, you have uh, Tavian Pritchard as the offensive coordinator, which I thought was a interesting, to say the least, hire from uh, from Shaw. Uh, but I also see Shaw as wanting to be able to control the offense and keep it in his image, which is never really that great. Um, do you think that they're going to see a lot of changes and overhauls to the system next year? Uh, or, or do you think Shaw's just going to keep his head down? And the reason I mentioned this, too, is I thought Hithliday at the Quack 12 podcast did an excellent job talking about the under the radar uh, hires that have left. I think their um, it was their defensive line coach left. Their uh, their strength coach ended up leaving under interesting circumstances, and both of those seem to be a big deal. I'm wondering if there, if more is on the way, but more of these are, are uh, more on the uh, the head coach making the decision rather than you know the coaches themselves or penalties or whatever. Yeah, and I, I mean I think it's interesting that. I mean, like Stanford, their identity under Shaw uh, at, at the beginning of his tenure was this team that can, you know, win in the trenches and, and and had the physical advantage. And now it just it doesn't seem like they have those types of players um, on the defense or on the offensive line anymore. And it just feels that like I, I thought Shaw did a really nice job last season adjusting to his personnel because he quickly realized like when when love when Bryce Love was injured. And that KJ Costello showed that he was the real deal, that they became a more vertical passing offense. And this year, it just seems the quarterback's been a mess with uh, all the injuries there. And Cam Scarlett, I, I think, has been good, but not great. Like he, he's had some games where he's looked, he's, he's, you know, getting like five yards a pop and, and looks really strong. But it just seems that. They need to build around Davis Mills uh, in the future. I actually I liked what I saw from Mills before he got hurt, and they need they need better weapons besides uh, Kobe Parkinson. They need better wideouts. While everybody else was watching LSU, Alabama. Um, my dad and I may or may not have had a decent amount of money on Stanford in this game, so I watched this whole game. It was the stupidest possible game I could have watched with the, with the one exception of Stanford Northwestern at the beginning of the year. Like it was eye gougingly, agonizingly terrible. I thought Stanford had four different ways of winning this game and just through bad play calls and uh, missed field goals and just stupid decisions. Uh, A good example being, you know, like they oftentimes it was interesting. Max and I, you were Max, you and I were talking about the game right before we recorded and uh, Stanford averaged more yards per play by a lot. It was 6.9 to (laughs) 5.0. And, and, and that showed there were so many times where Stanford would get first and, you know, first and four, first and three, um, those six yard runs that you mentioned from Scarlet or, or just like a good pass. And then it reminded me of the old school Oregon offense from last year where, um, it was just a disjointed decision on offense. There was no rhythm. It was all over the place. And, 
Stanford oftentimes ended up starting at like, oh, there's a lot of penalties too. I just, I have not seen a, a more undisciplined offense from Stanford in a long time. But, and all that added up to Stanford starting out like first and three, first and four, and then ending up third and three, third and four. And David Shaw is not going to chuck the ball down the field on those plays. And, and Colorado got it. So, uh, and that was they really, that was the, the, the whole point of the game. It really sucked. Um, and when you have Stanford at three and a hook in the fourth quarter and you're t- and the game's tied, it's like the worst feeling in the world to be a gambler up. Yeah. <laughs> um, the worst thing, and I, because I, I basically have a, a spread out for every game. Like I'm often following, you know, nearly every close game you can imagine in college football on a Saturday um, and looking and realizing like that you've hit the point where they have to score, like that you need a, a miracle you know, like you're, you're, you're like, come on, it's, you know, you're, you, they have to go for it on fourth down or something and they're down, you know, two scores and yeah, Stanford just, they could not, they could not get it together. And yeah. And you hit a point too, where you're, you just, you've ceased belief. Like you're praying, like, come on, like put, put it together, Stanford. And they're, they're certainly not going to on that day, <laughs> getting, getting shut down the way they did, I thought was really bizarre. You know, I mean, if you would have told, I mean, I guess the the if I was going to say my hipster take is like, good God, like has Colorado squandered all of their offensive weapons, like who are, who will mostly be gone next year, <laughs> <laughs> um, in this game too, because Stanford doesn't have an amazing defense, but um, Colorado did not have a great game either offensively in this game, and I, I, it, it does feel like kind of a, a missed opportunity. I think if, if Colorado was sort of going to be like any way of a dark horse coming into this season, it was going to be that the offense, you know, what was good. And Mel Tucker through his acumen, you know, made the defense better than uh, its personnel, but that certainly has not been the case. Well, the biggest hire that we questioned with Colorado max was the hire of Jay Johnson. I think all of us kind of took a step back and said, Hmm, if you're going to be building a program, you sure you want to do that? And it seems like I mean, he's got to be gone next year, right? It seems like all the Colorado fans want that to be the case. Well, we weren't big fans of Tyson Summers either. They're their new defensive coordinator and, and, and the defense has been much more of a mess, especially yeah. given Tucker's background and the offense has, so, I, I mean, Johnson's been pretty whatever, given the personnel, but I, I think that Summers has been the worst hire compared to Johnson, if I'm being honest. Mm. Um, anything else you guys got before we get into our picks against the spread? Let's pick. All right. Well, let's do it after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we are back in a busy week. We have five games on tap. We've had four the last couple of weeks with lots of buys. And right out of the gate, a spread that just jumped out at me. UCLA is a 21-point underdog on the road at Utah. Again, UCLA coming off of, you know, beating some teams that aren't that great. But it seems like they've got their defense together. And I need somebody to talk me out of uh, taking UCLA because that seems like a lot of points for this Utah team uh, that likes to slow the game down once they're ahead. And UCLA team that has been able to put together some pieces on that defense, Mac. Well, 
I, I guess uh, even when UCLA was struggling, we still were saying that UCLA's run defense was actually pretty good. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's still been good. And with Utah's offense, it, it's definitely Huntley's been amazing this season. And, and the passing game has been much more explosive, even with Andy Ludwig, who's known for his explosiveness as offensive coordinator than I would have thought. But Zach Moss is still the heart and soul of this offense. And I feel like if he can't get going against this uh, UCLA run defense, it's going to be really hard to cover, uh, especially because the line's at three touchdowns. Rob, what what are the numbers here? Because it seems like UCLA must have jumped even more um, in the last couple of weeks, just based on the fact that it seems like they've retooled that secondary a bit. So beta rank actually has this at, at 22 and a quarter. Um, oh, so nice. 22.24. Utah's got a 93% win probability in this game. The U's come at number nine in beta rank. UCLA's at number 50. You, we have sort of alluded to this that I mean UCLA's defense has, has come up a bit. They're at a surprising 58 right now. Um, Utah's offense is number 15. Um, and they are, again, like, more explosive number 24 um, than they are efficient at number 38. But they did show that they, in, in that Washington game, that they could be efficient and that they really could throw the ball. Um, so they come at number 18 in, in effective rush, uh, number 44 in effective pass. Um, UCLA has a big split. Um, we talked about this all year. This has been true. They're, um, they're number 30 in effective rush, number 92 in effective pass. Uh, and I do think Andy Ludwig isn't stubborn. I mean, he's not going to continue to slam Zach Moss up the middle uh, in the way that, say, like Cincinnati did or other teams have done against this UCLA defense. Um, U- Utah will effectively rush outside. Um, you know, they will they will try to get outside the tackles to establish the run if necessary. And UCLA's pass defense is bad enough that I, I, I do think Utah is going to be able to as you know, they were against Washington to be able to, to throw the ball, uh, to move it. I think the, the, the flip side, if you're going to say it is, uh, how, do, how does UCLA put up points in this game? Because <laughs> it's the eternal question the, of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I think we sort of, um, they've done well against some bad defenses, uh, out there. So they come at number 57 on offense and beta rank. Um, they're number 31 in drive efficiency. So they can, um, put together longer drives. Uh, the Utes are at number seven overall. If they have a knock, it's that they're number 81 in drive efficiency. So you can drive on the Utes. Uh, I mean, if you can hold it together, the problem is, is they're, they're number one in explosive drives. Like they just don't give up big plays. They're number six in play efficiency. So they don't give up a lot of yards for play. They're number five in negative drives. They come a lot of turnovers, a lot of three and outs. They are great against the run, number seven, an effective rush, number 13, an effective pass. They, they, they cover well and they get after you. Uh, UCLA is 51, an effective rush and 60, an effective pass. I just I struggle to think of how, even though I think UCLA's offensive line has been better, uh, I struggle with how they really move the ball effectively against this Utah defensive front. Well, I guess the one thing going for them is Joshua Kelly is back and he has been incredibly productive um, after a lot of time off for an injury. I still don't trust Dorian Thompson Robinson. I don't think this wide receiving core is all that great. And Chip Kelly seems to be um, questionable at best <laughs> running the offense. But they've been able to put up points against some eh, like meh teams in the last couple of weeks. Max, do you think they're able to cover 21 points? 
Uh, I'll go begrudgingly for now. I'll go uh, UCLA plus 21. I actually, I, I like the under in this game. It's at 54. I, I think uh, one facet of UCLA's offense is that they, they've just been going uh, run heavy and, and like, I guess, clock killing mode in a lot of these games. Um, and so I think UCLA's offense isn't explosive. So I think that the fact that uh, Utah's defense is number one at limiting explosive plays, I, I don't really like I, I don't think that that'll play much of an impact for UCLA's game plan in this one. I just think that you're going to see uh, Chip Kelly. And it's weird to say, like, I just think you're going to see like a lot of long sustained drives or attempted long sustained drives by UCLA in this one. And I guess what worries me with the under 54 is that uh, obviously with Ludwig's offense, it, it is an explosive offense and, and Huntley's been amazing this year. Um, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I just see this one as like a, 20 like a 31 14 kind of game something like that yeah i I like that under two i was going to ask you what it was because i just don't see a scenario where ucla is going to drop a 30 burger on utah um and i think ucla's defense has gotten to a point where they're not going to get the doors blown off of them and again every year colin whittingham tends to sit on opponents and you know if he's up by a certain amount he'll just run the ball over and over and over again and you have a ucla defense that um is in tune to be able to at least hold hold the line on that front anything else on your end rob Uh, by the way i'll take i'll take the 21 but i'm more hesitant than i was when i saw that line come out by the way it moved up it was ucla open plus 20 it's now plus 21 so i think most of that money is the smart money early and usually smart money comes late right max uh, no, no, I mean, usually smart money comes early in the week. Like, uh, I guess where a line is most vulnerable is when it first opens. Yeah. Uh, so if you're seeing early line movements, that's typically where the sharp money is going to go. Now, the fact that it went from 20 to 21, 21 is a key number. So if it, if it went past 21, I think that that'd be a very telling, um, I guess a, a telling read into the market, but I think 20 to 21, like 21 is obviously a key number, but I just think with how Utah's looked uh, this season, and I guess maybe the fact that people uh, are thinking that Utah needs to look really impressive to have any shot at making the college football playoff, that might play a role. But I'm I'm interested to see if this gets to actually 21 and a half uh, later in the week. Ooh. Anything else here, Rob? No, no. I mean, I, 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 I like the Utes here. I, I think that they're extremely focused. I think that um, the bye week, you know, gives them t- some time to recover and, and Huntley's ankle to recover, um, even off where it was in, against Washington. So I, I, I like the Utes here. Good call on that bye week. I didn't mention that. So appreciate that. Um, moving on, a game, Rob, that you and I will be at, unfortunately. Uh, Arizona tw- <laughs> Arizona's a 26-and-a-half-point dog on the road uh, in in Eugene against the Oregon Ducks. And, oh, boy, howdy. Now, to, Arizona had a bye, but with this coaching stuff, does it really matter, Rob? I mean, it's tough because, the, I mean, at the very least with a bye, Chuck Cecil has an opportunity to maybe make some changes you know, with, with where the defense is at, you know, maybe play, you know, prepare some different personnel, um, try to introduce some different looks in there so that they can get going. But the other part, I mean, in a bye week in the season, you'd like to be focused on that, you know, just that, but you got to get out there and recruit too. Uh, so 
I don't know. I, I I don't think it makes a huge difference. Oregon also got a buy, so the Pac-12 did not <laughs> did not actually set up UCLA or uh, Arizona for success off their buys by giving their opponents <laughs> buys as well. Mm-hmm. Um, Bader and Kansas at uh, Bader and Kansas on the road. Uh, I'm sorry. Let me look at this at uh, 28, 28 and a quarter. Okay. For the Ducks. Uh, it really does not like uh, the matchup here of this uh, Oregon offense um, and uh, against Arizona's defense. Uh, Oregon comes in at number eight on offense. They've been climbing uh, even off the bye week. Uh, part of it was that Washington performance sort of boosted them because they did pretty well against Washington. But they're they're number 11 in drive efficiency. Um, they're number 36 in effective rush, number 16 in effective pass. And they've, they've definitely got um, – oh, it's – it's Juwan. I've forgotten his name. Johnson. Name now. Johnson. Johnson. Mm-hmm. I almost said Howard, but clearly that's not it. <laughs> um, but he, he's, you know, he had a really good game their last outing. Um, people are, you know, feel like he's starting to emerge. Arizona comes in at one of two in, in beta rank. They just got the doors blown off and by the Beavers the last time they played. Um, number 110, an effective rush. I think one of the key things, um, if you watch that, and I don't know why you would, but that Oregon State-Arizona game, Oregon State's offensive line just blew Arizona's defensive line and linebackers off the ball. Um, when, when Oregon State was running the ball, you know, they were often getting three or four yards before they had any contact from Arizona players. So um, I, Oregon loves to run the football. You know, this that that on alone could get ugly early. Um, Arizona's 83 in effective pass. They've really fallen off. Some of that's the defensive line. Some of that is that people have really figured out their scheme. Um, big special teams discrepancy too. 24 in special teams for the Ducks, 118 for the Wildcats. Arizona's offense, if there's a plus here, for, if you're the Arizona, their offense has, as they've played uh, the freshman Gunnell more, they've, they've crept up to 40, which is almost average, like almost decent power five offense. Um, they get the Ducks who are have, have fallen off from sort of their early season pace. They're at 27 in beta rank. Um, the splits here, Arizona is a more effective pass offense. They're number 23 in effective pass, which, I, I, again, I think speaks volumes where Gunnell is mostly at. Um, number 65 in effective rush. Uh, Oregon, they're, this, this is, they match up pretty well with that. They're number 40 in effective rush, but number 25 in effective pass. I think the, the trouble if you're Arizona here with this, uh, this offensive number is that with the special teams as bad as your defense is, Arizona's going to have horrendous field position all game um, and be playing from behind. But, you know, if you wanted to talk yourself into it, this game could get out of hand early and Arizona might be able to put up some points in garbage time. Yeah, Max, I think the question here is, I mean, obviously Oregon is a significantly better team than Arizona. They have a better offense. They have a better defense. They have better special teams. But I, I think this comes down to like the intangibles. I think one of the things is I think it's going to be butt cold in Eugene <laughs> at this time. And Arizona, the last time I went to Eugene and Arizona play, they dropped like six balls because they just were not used to the cold. Um, so that's something to keep in mind. But I'm curious what you what you read on this game is, because with all that said, I still think Arizona can score and 26 and a half is a lot. Yeah, admittedly, I will not be betting this game during the uh, during the week. Um if if anything, like I, I uh, twenty six is tough. Um, I, I thought the, how it opened at twenty four and a half. I thought that was a fair number, and it's definitely like if it was twenty seven, I'd, I'd 
go, I'd say Arizona with more gusto. I'm probably still like, if I have to make a pick right now, I'll, I'll go Arizona and I'll, and I'll take the points again. I think so too. And, and I'm with you. I, there's no way on earth I'm betting this game. We will go to it. We will probably leave at the half, at halftime, Rob, <laughs> go to the beer garden, beat the, tra- head, beat the traffic, <laughs> head back. Um, I'm, I'm trying to take a look at the, uh, the weather report in Eugene. So Saturday, so it'd be about 42, which isn't too cold. So, uh, not as bad as I thought. I thought it was going to be like 35 or so, but, uh, yeah, I'll, I'll take the points. I think Arizona can score a little bit. I hope, you know, there's a, there's definitely a quarterback controversy in, um, in Tucson and Kevin Sumlin doesn't tell the media anything. I would assume that Ganell starts, but uh, I assumed that. The last game and the game before that and kevin sumlin continues to make the wrong decision so who do you think uh starts when, he, when we roll out there in eugene uh i would say it's Ganell. i mean like the i i just think that the the difference in play versus oregon state was stark Ganell ended up taking the vast majority in the staff of the snaps in that game i i would expect it to be him i mean i think maybe they rotate tate in but i don't know tate looks Tate's regressed. I mean, there's a, even from last season, I mean, his, his completion percentage is up, but he takes forever to make reads. He doesn't make decisions uh, in any kind of timely manner. Yeah. If by I the also, way, mm-hmm. Oh, go ahead. Max. I just also think that this is a game where uh, Kevin, someone needs to show like some signs of improvement just because I, we, we've seen two second year coaches already fired in the middle of the season and, and Willie Taggart in Florida state and Chad Morris in Arkansas. And at least and every other second year Pac-12 coach uh, has either taken a step forward or at least like stayed the same. Like uh, obviously Jonathan Smith and Mario Cristobal have gone forward. Uh, I'd argue that Chip Kelly and UCLA, despite the horrendous uh, start that they've improved under the, uh, compared to their three and nine season last season. And Herm Edwards, I, I would say that Arizona State, they're probably going to be like six and six, seven and five. So that's a, that's right around where they were last year. And then someone, it, it just feels like, uh, well, Arizona went five and seven last year, and, and it seems like that they might go five, seven, four, and eight. And it just, it seems like um, there's been there, Arizona fans, I'm, I'm sure, are unhappy, and they, they just want to see some, any any signs of progress. And coming off a bye against one of the better Pac-12 teams, just show me something here. Yeah, and it's manifesting itself on the recruiting trail. Arizona is being out-recruited by Colorado, um, who, by the way, uh, tapped into the uh, into the transfer pool, got a really solid player out of Alabama, who I think was like one of the number one recruits of his class in Arizona, just with transfers has not gotten it done on the recruiting trail. Uh, last year was fine. It was better than normal classes, but I don't, uh, I mean, they're, they're hitting the Juco ranks again this year, uh, on, on the trenches. I mean, mean, you have to for the, on the defense. I mean, like they're going to have a senior laden defense that stinks (laughs) there. I mean, there are 14 seniors on the two deep for Arizona's defense next year. And the defense right now is, is terrible. You know, like those guys are just, I mean, I don't want to sound like overly harsh, but that's just dead weight. Like upperclassmen on a unit that stinks is dead weight. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Um, we got three more games left. Before we do, we're talking about betting on these games. And who better to bet with than my bookie, who's been a sponsor of this podcast? It's a book that I use. Um, November is one of the great sports months of the year. Of course, we have uh, bowl seasons coming up. We got uh, college basketball, which started off, by the way, shout out to our, if, if you like college basketball, our friends at the Three Man Weave podcast are excellent. Like, I, that is a really, really solid podcast, really sharp guys uh, that keep up on not just the big conferences, but the small conferences too. Um, 
But NBA, NHL, golf, racing, you name it, my bookie is the place to get in on the action. If you're kind of the guy that likes to win a lot, try one of those sleazy parleezies. You know, if you like, uh, take, take a few favorites, staple them together, try to win a lot of money. Yeah, I like to do the over-unders because I think Max is really good at that. Um, but of course, props, futures, you name it, they have it. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway. All the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you get an extra $1,000 of free money. Free money to play with. Just use the promo code OVERTIME, O-V-E-R-T-I-M-E, to activate the offer. Once again, it's the promo code OVERTIME. Take advantage of that 50% bonus. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, you get paid. And speaking of getting paid, let's talk about this next line because I like it a lot. ASU is a one-and-a-half-point favorite. A favorite on the road against Oregon State. And while Oregon State didn't cover last week, they see they've done a really, really good job uh, staying competitive, particularly against teams that aren't at the highest level of quality. And I think ASU is a decent but not great team, Max. Uh, well, that means you'd have to trust home Oregon State. <laughs> I, Corvallis used to be like that place where teams with you know, their dreams go to die. Um, they always had that one upset in them. But you're right. They have been they have been really lagging at home. Yeah. Um, I mean, for me, so I know that the stats, it, it, it looks like on the surface that Yellen had a good game for Arizona State. And I guess you couldn't really ask for more uh, from your backup true freshman quarterback. But he missed some he missed some easy throws in that game. And I guess it would have been a lot different. I mean, Arizona State was actually really close to winning it uh, because they had a drop. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, it's brutal. Drop, too. And. I, I don't know if he would have scored, but he, he there was a lot of uh, open space from where he from where he uh, dropped the ball to the nearest USC defender. Um, I, I still think that Jaden Daniels is is a big upgrade, and but the defense it it was just it it really was a brutal for the for the first quarter, and then you know I guess that they locked the clamps down, but USC is just so Jekyll and Hyde and. Arizona State, though, with the run game, uh, Arizona State's run defense has been good this year. It, it's just it's really been the passing attack. And I feel like with Oregon State, it's just kind of a, it's a one trick pony with Isaiah Hodgkins. And, and I know that they have a couple other guys, but Hodgkins, is, he's, he's been first team all Pac-12 this year. And it wouldn't really surprise and it would it wouldn't surprise me if like no one else on Oregon State had more than 300 receiving yards this season. And if you can stop Oregon State's run game. Uh, and then get them into second and third and longs. I mean, against uh, Washington, uh, they were one of 13 on third down. And we, I guess we were saying like earl, uh, earlier that Oregon State would turnovers and third down success. Like that that was going to be two areas that were due for some regression, and that's been happening. Um, I'm going to be waiting to see whether uh, Jaden Daniels plays before um, making a play on this one. This one's this game is tough though. Uh, I currently see it at Pickham. I think I lean Arizona State at first gut, but again, like this is another tough Pac-12 line. Yeah, it opened at a Pickham. It moved to one and a half, and it may have already swung back. So it's it's. I'm interested to see where that line ends up. And um, do we know the reason Jaden Daniels is, was out? I mean, obviously, I'm assuming it's an injury, but uh, was there any word on what it was? He got his leg wrenched. In that UCLA game, mm. um, you know, when you see the re- when you see the replay, it actually looks pretty dirty. 
<laughs> but um, the UCLA defender had him around his leg uh, and basically rolled with um, Jaden Daniels' leg uh, glued to his chest. Oh, good Lord. Um, I forgot about that because I saw that replay. Oof. Um, yeah, it's hard to make a pick on this. I do think, like, I'm curious, Rob, because yes, Washington State, or I'm sorry, yes, Oregon State is going to be thrown to um, to Isaiah like all game, but can ASU stop him? <laughs> like I just like I don't I don't have a lot of faith. And you know I know we mentioned that they're a one trick pony, but Artavius Pierce is a good running back, and they do have Jamar Jefferson back. So it seems like against a team that isn't Washington and isn't Utah, those guys are going to rack up like 150 yards uh, normally. So I'm not as worried about them being able to score. But I'm curious what the numbers say. So this is an interesting game. Beta rank has it um, basically as a toss up. It's got, if it was played on a neutral field, Arizona state would be a favorite. It's played at Oregon state, Oregon state's the favorite. Um, but it's only by a, you know, a little less than a half a point uh, that the, the model gives the beavers the ever, ever so slight nod as the favorite in this game. Oregon state comes in at 61 overall. Arizona state comes in at 54. Uh, the only really good unit, um, I mean, other than Arizona State's special teams in this game is Oregon State's offense, which comes in at number 24. They're number three in drive efficiency. Um, They did have the worst game of the season against Washington, as Max pointed out, um, on third down, which had been sort of their calling card. Um, Oregon State's number 28 in effective pass, number 41 in effective rush. Uh, but they do get it. It is interesting because Arizona State's defense isn't great. They're number 53 overall. They're number 99 in drive efficiency. You can really drive the field against these guys. But they're number 32 in effective rush uh, versus number 84 in effective pass. So um, if Luton has, you know, plans on having himself a game, he should be able to have a game. Um, Lucas and Johnson have, just have not been great for this ASU secondary um, this season. The there is a bit, a bit of a special team split 22 for the sun devils, 74 for the beavers. Um, I think what's sort of interesting is that the sun devils offense kind of stinks. Um, they're number 78 overall. They're number 90 in effective rush. They really, I mean, you know, Benjamin should have just gone pro, um, number 50 in effective pass, uh, Oregon State's defense, they're, they're, this sounds like a damning with faint praise. They're up to 100 in beta rank, which is a plot. Like they were at 118 a couple weeks ago. So they're slightly improving, I guess you could say. They definitely got a bump off of how they played against Washington. Um, Hamilcar Rashid uh, is an absolute force. Uh, to be reckoned with, but they're number 96 in effective rush, number 96 in effective pass. Um, they have managed in the past, you know, two games to bring their points per drive. I mean, it's particularly from last game. I mean, bring their points per drive down below 2.9 per drive, which really helps. I think that I, I, I like the Beavers a little bit here. I mean, at least as long as long as ASU is the favorite, I think that there's value at Oregon with Oregon State. I mean, if it flipped to Oregon State being the favorite, it would probably be value with ASU. It's that close. I'm not going to overreact on the Washington Oregon State game. I still think their offense is quite good. I I, um, I think ASU is fine, um, but I'm I'm going to take Oregon State. I just think that they're going to be able to move the ball, and um, and I'd like to see what ASU does uh, in Corvallis. So, Max, who are you taking? Well, you're going to wait. You're going to wait on the thing. I mean, I'm going to wait too, but that's my lean here is Oregon State. Well, I was gonna, well, I'm a little – so the total in this game is 59 and a half. That seems low to me. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's like, a good call. I think, I think like this should be like a mid sixties type of total. If, if I, yeah, I, I just think that Arizona state's defense is bad. Oregon state's defense is bad. Um, if Jaden Daniels plays, I mean, even if even if Yellen plays, I think that fifty nine and a half is still fine for taking the over. Um, yeah, no, I just that that seems low to me for sure. Okay, and we'll keep an eye on the injury report here. See if Daniels ends up playing. Up next, we have USC, a six point favorite on the road against Cal. Cal again had a really impressive win against Washington State in the Palouse, and. Look, Max, you know this team better than I do, and I have no idea what's going on there. <laughs> like they were celebrating being bowl eligible in Southern California. I'm just like, hey, is the team falling apart? Doesn't seem like they are. I kind of thought they might give up against ASU, but it, you know that that first quarter coming out really hot. Um, but again, they faded as the game progressed. What do you what are you feeling here in this game? I mean, they they tried their hardest to give that game away, and I feel like if Arizona won, <laughs> USC would have been totally dead. The, the next game <laughs> but uh, for me this game i mean usc lost at home to cal last year in, in pretty horrific fashion uh it was another double digit lead and then and then in typical usc fashion they shot themselves in the foot but this is like justin wilcox revenge game like this is like the number one revenge like pac-12 coaching revenge game in my opinion just because of how helton fired wilcox as the defensive coordinator now he's uh, making the rounds at Cal. Um, USC's really struggled on the road this year. And with the line at six, you're basically banking on a touchdown or higher game. And and ASU and Colorado are the USC's only two road wins this year. And those came by five and four points respectively. Um, and this is a strength on strength game again yeah. for Cal with – uh, their secondary going up against USC's receivers. Now, USC's receivers are more talented than Washington State's, but I just think uh, uh, something that we've been seeing this year when um, teams play Washington State and USC back to back, they typically tend to play the second air raid team better than the first just because it, they, they've had that exposure the first time around. Um, I, I think Cal at plus six is live for sure. Ooh, let's bring a little money in the money line. Okay, okay. Um, hey, what, what's the injury report there out of USC? I know they've just been riddled all over the place. Uh, anything that betters or fans should keep a lookout for? Well, I, I think the fact that uh, Talano Hufanga, their safety, uh, he was back for Arizona State, and, and he's their best uh, player on defense. Uh, all the running backs are still banged up, which is why you saw a heavy do- dosage of Keenan Christian. And actually, running back... And this game is important just because Cal's run defense has been much worse this season uh, than Cal's pass defense. So if they can get a, a good performance from Kristen or, or if Step uh, Malapai or Carr come back healthy, that would definitely go a long way. Um, I'm just really interested to see what Justin Wilcox cooks up in this one. Okay. Um, what do you got here, Rob, in, in terms this of the line numbers? is bananas. <laughs> So, like, Bader Egg is mostly on, you know, like, is close, like, if uh, to where the lines are. And as you've seen, like, where where there's been movement off the early line, it's usually moving. To, I mean, unsurprisingly, Bader Egg has it probably closer to where most of the Sharps have, you know, it in, in their own projections. Um, this game, uh, USC comes in at number 36. Cal comes in at 51. Um, 
Betarank has USC as a 3.2 point favorite only in this game. This is uh, this is not a good this is not a good matchup. Like as Max pointed out, and they even pointed it out. I was watching the the god awful Cal Washington State game, um, and I mean they even pointed out how Cal now gets the next air raid, and it is something that I think folks around the Pac-12 have noticed that um, you know getting if you manage to get the teams back to back, it really helps out. So. Pac-12 scheduling has done that a couple times this season where you get the Trojans and Washington State like that. And it's it's far better. Uh, you're usually far better the second time around. Um, Cal's defense comes in at 20. Um, USC's offense comes in at 31. Cal does have a significant split still. So the number 65, an effective rush. Number eight, an effective pass. USC, huge split. I mean, number nine, an effective pass. 104, an effective rush. They're USC is going to have to really, you know, do well against what I think is really the best secondary because I don't think they get a lot of support from their defensive line, um, the best secondary in the country. Um, there's also a decent enough US special USC special teams have been really bad this season, grading out at number seventy-seven. Cal's been all right at number fifty-two, but if if USC slips up in this game and gives Cal decent field position, um, you know, that could really hurt them. USC uh, is only seventy-seven. Yeah, I, mean, I expected like at least like ninety or so. No, no, it's a you yes, but like there are a lot of teams that suck at specialty. <laughs> 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 like, like, there's like there's. I mean, if you think about how bad Arizona's special teams are, they're like they're only at like one. They might be like one eighteen. I think there are still teams worse than Arizona. It's. I mean, there are a lot of teams that's and USC has had some sort of up. They've had some up and down performances. They have some really explosive players returning punts and kicks. Um, and that, that can, uh, that helps them cover it up, but also they've been pretty decent kicking the ball, um, as, uh, and, and that weights it out. But. I, I, it's, it's like everything is a C max, but you know, covering the opposing team, oh, <laughs> returning the ball. Big oh ass. my gosh. And Ayuk just lit them up last, uh, this past week too. It, it is, I, I get where your surprise is. Cause oh my gosh, that part of the team is just terrible. Like if you and then also they return so many kickoffs shy of the twenty five yard line. Oh, that's right. Yeah, they do. It's 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 brutal. Rob, put you. Sorry to put you on the spot here. Just but I'm just curious. Who is ranked last in special teams this season? Oh well, give me one second and let me. Give you Arizona and USC both dumpster fires, and the fact that they're not even in triple digits is is, is amazing. <laughs> Well, isn't Arizona one? What did you say Arizona was? One eighteen. They're so they're dead last in the Pac twelve. Oh, okay. Um, number one thirty in special teams is Akron, um, and Akron special teams are so bad that on a per drive basis, they basically cost their team um, a third of a point. Nice. <laughs> Oh, well, I guess that's why they're the only team in college football that hasn't covered the spread so far this season. Any? Yeah. Oh, I mean, really? <laughs> that's <yeah>. crazy. <laughs> but Arizona special teams cost their team on a per drive uh, basis nearly uh, a fifth of a point. So 0.18 USC. Where are we at in that 77 range? USC, uh, they're they're nearly zero. I mean, but they they're negative, so it's uh, 0.04 of a point basically. 
not good. It's such an inefficiency in the market. Like there, how, how is there not a whole crop of special teams coaches like popping up? Now I know, I guess probably it's because all the special teams coaches don't want to be special teams coaches. They want to do something else, but like you can make a good hundred thousand dollars a year, you know, just making sure that people like make good decisions. I don't know. But there are teams that do it. Like, I mean, so Mike Norvell at Memphis hired a guy that's sort of like a hired gun special teams coach that, um, and Memphis has excellent special. I mean, like, you can find people that are good at it. Yeah, Memphis consistently has had like the best return game. Like them and uh well, Temple last year had an incredible return game. I'm not sure what it is this year. But yeah, Memphis has consistently been one of the better special teams uh in the country at when as soon as Norvell's gotten there. Yeah, they're number nine in special teams. Like it's not it's not rocket surgery, right? Like, I mean, it's like rocket surgery. <laughs> I mean, because most people, I mean, most people focus when they, and I, I mean, this is something that I say all the time, but special teams are more than specialists, right? Like it's not just the guy kicking the ball. Um, it's about coverage and it's about blocking. And that's the kind of stuff that like, I get it as a special teams coach. You probably are not an expert at punting or place kicking, but blocking and tackling, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like that part that and that's the part that matters the most yeah but uh, so like the, i guess if you have a concern in this game is like what is like the, the question that we've had many times in the past wh- what is cal's offense um so they come in at 101 versus 45 for usc and beta rank um there's a there's a they're a decent rushing i mean by cal standards they're at 62 an effective rush number 94 an effective pass um they're a little bit it's a little bit to their advantage there because USC's not great against the run. They're number fifty-nine there and number forty-three in effective pass. Um I do think that uh you know Cal Cal I mean they're not USC's not nearly as bad as Washington State's uh defenses. So I wouldn't expect Cal to suddenly become like this, you know, a suddenly like hyper efficient offense or anything in this game. But I think the real thing is that I just I expect Cal's Cal's defense to give the Trojans a hard time. And um, I, I think this, this max to me almost feels like one of those games where um, you really need to keep an eye on the number because uh, it could be low scoring enough that like one, you know, one possession being a touchdown instead of a field goal could make a big difference. Yeah. What is, what is the total? Uh, So it's opened at 46 and it's up to 47 and a half. Okay. That's pretty low. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I would assume, Max, that the number goes towards USC as the public piles on. But I mean, I guess the public really doesn't like USC this year. So, I mean, would you like I was thinking about taking SC, but waiting to try to get a seven. But I don't know if it gets there. I would be pretty surprised if this got to seven. Okay, I think I like five and a half, six, maybe even six and a half, I think is fine. Yeah, I if it's seven, Cal's the best bet. For sure. Cal might even be a best bet at six for me. Mm-hmm. I, I really like the Golden Bears. Okay. All right. I'll take Cal. Uh, does that sound good to you, Rob? Yeah. I mean, it's not like beta rank. I mean, their offense is at 101. It's not like beta rank all of a sudden took last week's game and said, oh, these guys are great. Like, it's factoring in that their offense sucks. <laughs> all right. The last game, and I don't know if this game's going to be played at 8 o'clock p.m. on the Pac-12 network, but it probably should. <laughs> And that's Stanford, which is a ten and a half point dog on the road against Wazoo. 
And oh my gosh, Stanford looked awful last week, but they were playing a, no, they weren't playing a good defense. <laughs> they were playing Colorado. Uh, we've been dumping on this team all year. And then KJ Costello came back and dropped a load on Arizona. And I, and I, speaking of overreacting, I overreacted to that one. Um, I don't know. I'm curious, Max, what you think about this, uh, this line here. Uh, I, I mean, I think that this game shouldn't be in double digits. Like I would probably have it eight. Like, I feel like anything, like, I feel like 10 and a half or over, I, I'm, it's, it's Stanford or bust. And I know that Stanford looked like a train wreck against Colorado, but again, like, like we've been harping on this podcast all seat all season and sometimes not listening to our advice. Don't overreact to the previous game. Um, Washington's deep Washington state's defense is still a mess. Uh, and the offense, I offense should roll in this game, but I think, I think Stanford actually, uh, it's just that Stanford as a team is so inconsistent this year. So you really don't know which version of Stanford you're going to get. Are you going to get the one that looks like a total embarrassment against Colorado or at home against Oregon or, or the one, uh, that somehow shut down Washington <laughs> or, um, yeah, and I just, I guess my, my logic for this is that I don't think that Washington State should be a double-digit favorite over many teams, and Stanford is one of them, even given how, even with how bad Stanford looked last week. Yeah, Rob, what's the beta rank line? So beta rank uh, is with Max. It has it at 8.69 mm-hmm. um, for Washington State. So Washington State's interesting because they've been very up and down, but they've also, by beta rank's measure, uh, where it takes the it takes what you had sort of starting field position wise. Um, it looks at the actual numbers of a game and then projects what your points should have been. Washington state's been the most unlucky team in the country. They have three games that beta rank basically looks at their actual drives and said, Hey, you should have won this game. That said like their defense still stinks um, as Max pointed out. And they, they come into this game. The offense is, is still good. They're number 16 in beta rank. They're not efficient at all. They're 100 in drive efficiency, as we really saw them struggle against Cal. Like they're, they're number five in explosive drives. They put up points with very big plays. Um, number two, an effective pass. Um, number 129, an effective rush. So you really know what you're getting. I mean, they do make some you know throws to, to Borgie. They're really their handoffs. But um, Stanford comes in number 64 in beta rank on defense. They're number 19 in drive efficiency. But a number that gives you a little bit of pause is they're number 86 in explosive drives. They, they do give up some big plays, you know. A lot of that was, I mean, not just, not just that. I mean, a lot of that was that USC game, some of that UCF game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, number 67, an effective rush. Number 68, an effective pass. Um, there's actually, for the first time that I can remember, Mike Leach has very good special teams. They're number 25. Um, and Stanford's at number 67, which is a bit of a flip for the script for them because they're normally very good at special teams. The other side of it is is interesting and where you kind of sit there and say, well, what are you going to get with Stanford? Because they're they're at number eighty in beta rank on offense. Not not great. Number fifty one in effective pass. Number ninety two in effective rush. I, I mean, I don't, I, I'm at the point with Stanford. I don't think the problem is the backs. I just think the offensive line just isn't the same. Um, but they do get the number one hundred three defense, so that's a plus. And and Washington State's number one twelve in effective pass. Um, and, and Modster looked pretty good last week against them, and I don't think that's a surprise. Number eighty-three in effective rush. I I think that's I, I think that the numbers 
I think the number is just too high there that, that I think that that Stanford is, you know, there, there's, there's value there. It's probably closer to like, like eight, I think in this. So I think Stanford could do enough. And if a Debo in the corners can, you know, manage to limit the big plays at all in this game and two Hill can have himself a decent game. Like I think Stanford could keep it even closer down to three. Yeah, two Hill is so nasty. Like so, so nasty. It's really fun to watch him play. Uh, Rob, by the way, the sharps are with you. The line opened at 12. It's now down to 10 and a half. So uh, they were all over that to start. You know, just looking at this week, by the way, I'm taking, I'll take, uh, I'll take Stanford. Uh, I just have put too much faith in Washington State's defense <laughs> this entire year. And uh, I'm going to, I'm going to finally give in. I just looking over these lines this week, Max, not great in regards to value, right? Is there, I mean, it just seems like in the past, like I think Vegas has finally caught up to the conference where from here, probably until the end of bowl season, Minus the teams that have given up on their coach or maybe can't play for a bowl. just seems like Vegas kind of has these lines locked in and they, they, they've kind of finally figured out the Pac-12. Is that, is that what you're feeling? Uh, well, I mean, they, I feel like the team that they really missed early on that I was really thought and I really thought that it was much better than what Vegas indicated was Oregon State. And they definitely caught up on Oregon State. I mean, I think I made Oregon State a best bet four times this year, which is, which is crazy. <laughs> And it, and they won all four times, um, but and then yeah, like uh, I'm just trying to think about like Colorado and Arizona State were early fades uh, as well. Just looking at their uh, turnover luck and, and their uh, underlying defense uh, defensive statistics, uh, but yeah, no, I, I agree. Like, I, I, it's not as easy picking games now as it was early in the season, but I still think with it, with if you can, if you're willing to hold your nose on on some of these, like I still think that Cal and Stanford are the two that stick out the most to me. Even though the Cal game is actually moving the opposite way of of what I would have thought. Hmm. Yeah, taking a look, uh, I got to go back and look at our our records here, Max. But we're both. I, th- I want to say you're at like 59, and I'm at 57 or percent or whatever against the spread. So we're still doing pr- pretty well on that front. But yeah, like I'm, the more I'm looking at these lines, I'm going, oh man, it's going to be hard to keep this up. Like I'm going to be putting more of my uh, hard-earned money on Rob's model in the in the coming weeks, just because uh, it's 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 killing it. It's really doing a good job. Um, but still, yeah, I think there there will be a few values here and there, and uh, definitely uh, like that Cal and like that Stanford pick. So um, on that front, what's your best pick here, Max? Cal, Cal, and, and ju- yeah, just because if I if I had to pick between Cal winning outright or, or Stanford winning outright, I I think Cal has a better shot. What about you, Rob? Yeah, I think it's. Uh, I'm, I'm with Max there. I I, I like Cal. I, I really like the secondary uh, a lot. Okay, I may go with Oregon State. Um, I'm I'm with you guys on Cal. By the way, I just uh, I, I like that I like that team. That team's pulled through for uh, a number of number of games, and I'm still not sold on ASU as uh, as good as they started. I, I just don't know if they're going to finish strong. So um, I will take Oregon State. Cool. Anything else we should cover, guys, before we sign off for this week? Any early thoughts on Pac-12 basketball? <laughs> <laughs> um, Oregon looks so, so nasty. Just blowing the crap out of uh, Boise State. And then who was the other team they played, Max? Uh, Fresno. Fresno, yeah. Um, 
I watched the Arizona game. I haven't watched as much Pac-12 basketball yet, and, and we'll definitely dive into that in, in a bit. But I did watch Arizona's game against NAU. You know, we don't want to overreact. NAU is not good. Arizona is at home. But that offense looks quite coherent. And uh, I think it's Nick, Zeke Naji is the guy's name. That forward for, for the Cats gives them something that they haven't had in, in a little while. So um, they're, they're pulling away from Illinois. Yeah, I, ju- I just looked at the score now. It's 80 to 64. So if yeah. Arizona, so Arizona is going to win this game. So that means Pac-12 is now, I think, 17 and 0 against non-Pac-12 opponents. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm breathing a sigh of relief. That's been the bugaboo but, for the conference. But I mean, like, how do we count that? That, that Arizona State Colorado game was technically yeah, not a conference I, game. I, I, <laughs> I was about to say, I'm not counting. Like, I, I guess, yeah. So non-conference against non-Pac-12 teams. <laughs> Which, thanks, Larry Scott, for making me have to say that as a qualifier. Oh, man. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was actually I was really impressed with Washington beating Baylor in Alaska. Yeah, that was a big yeah, win. And the and the, yeah, they were a six point dog and and really came back too. I think Baylor started out pretty hot, right? Yeah, and actually, I mean, Baylor had a double digit lead in the second half, and I actually in in my uh, I, I'm now doing a S, our college basketball best bets with three man weave at at SI, and Baylor was mine. For that game, just because uh, looking at um, looking at synergy, which basically uh, evaluates players and, and teams different in a lot of different ways, uh, Baylor's points per possession the past three seasons much higher with zone, and their turnover percentage also much lower against zone defenses. And I guess a lot of it is just because Baylor plays a one-one-three, and so going up against the zone in practice, I'm sure helps a lot. And I just figured, um, and then also Baylor, one of the best offensive rebounding teams in the country, they finished top 10 in offensive rebounding, I think, the, the past six seasons. So I figured if they weren't turning the ball over and if they were getting a lot of second opportunities, that they'd get a lot of shots off. And I just thought that with all the experience that Baylor had returning, they had a really nice roster with shooters and size. And I just think with Washington, like they do have the uh, highly regarded incoming talent, but I wasn't really sure on the rest of the team. But yeah, Isaiah Stewart, man, he he's just a beast inside. And I have to give it to Hopkins. I mean, they actually, they switched to man defense on the final possession of the game. And, and Hopkins was saying that, uh, they'd be incorporating some man defense this season, maybe as like a changeup to throw opponents off. And, and it's what it, it, that's what it looked like. Uh, it did against Baylor on that final possession. Good for him. One of the biggest, uh, I think one of the biggest things for coach K at Duke that I, that just stood out for me was the ability to not stay stubborn where, you know, he was always man to man, man up, man up. And then he realized, I think this is the year they won the championship where, or like they, you know, they made it to the championship. Um, he realized they didn't have the talent or the team just didn't care. <laughs> like they just didn't want to play man. And he switched his own and, and it worked. And, and that defense ended up being a lot better than it would have been if he would have just stuck to his guns. And so that's really good to see Hopkins do that. Uh, Rob, any, anything stand out for you in Pac-12 basketball right now? No, I'm I'm running an advanced college football stats model, man. Like I got it. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, so Rob, can I, can I, just because one of the uh, non-Pac-12 games that, stu- that stood out uh, to me uh, with opening lines was Navy-Notre Dame. Because yeah. I really like Navy because that opened at plus 11. I was like, wow, that, I think that's really good value for Navy. 
Uh, so okay, so I I will fully admit I think Na- I think Beta Rank has Navy maybe ten spots too high, and I, I, Beta Rank has Navy higher than anyone else. Um, if you go look at like S and P SP plus, you know he has recruiting rankings in there still, which is going to just massacre a service academy because they they recruit terribly and they always outperform that. Um, I don't say like ter- like they're not terrible people, but like they're not <laughs> they're not they're not uh, they're not out they're not recruiting like Alabama. Let's put it that way. Uh, at least as far as the recruiting services, you know, rank them out as the Navy. Navy's a favorite in this game in Beta Rank. I don't. I, I think this is a great test of that hypothesis. I mean, they, Navy has just been laying waste to people since that Memphis game. Um, and that Memphis game was a game that their starting quarterback got hurt. Uh, I think Navy would have won that game uh, if their starting quarterback hadn't gotten hurt because uh, it really changed the game. But, uh, yeah, Navy's Navy's an eight-point favorite in beta rank uh, against Notre Dame. Um, I mean, I don't – I. I, I like I said, like I, I would almost like Navy to come back to earth a little bit or or shock the world and win. I mean, <laughs> but because I've taken I've taken some heat for having for Navy being so high um, in there. And, and beta rank does not systemically overrate um, group of five teams, um, which I have seen some other systems do. Um, yeah, I would. I, I think there's value there. I mean, I, I think Notre. I was surprised to see it that much. I think Navy's. I think Navy's better than that line. Just to put some numbers on it. So in the last one, two, three, four, five weeks, um, the the dogs that Beta Rank has picked um, outright are eighteen and twelve to to actually win the game, not just cover. Like it's it's pretty impressive. Um, oh, like Beta Rank last week had Western Kentucky. Like that wasn't an upset on the model. <laughs> it's 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 pretty like i don't know like i think like i said i think navy might be a little overrated but um at the very least out of this like yeah, the two things will happen because beta rank makes pretty pretty heavy opponent adjustments compared to other models navy will come falling back to earth which i will be fine with because like we finally got to see them against a, a, a very good opponent um or like the model's hypothesis is confirmed um yeah but i mean it's, it's like i guess it's interesting like if there's a game to watch if you're a pac-12 fan this week like it's auburn versus georgia oh, um yeah. and you need because like you're like the um the, i mean and watch the rankings because i i expect bama comes out still ahead of oregon and utah i expect penn state to be behind them um but they re like the pac-12 could really use an auburn win um to to take georgia down a peg yeah, I feel like the Pac-12's path to making the college football playoff is they need Auburn to beat either Georgia or Bama and yeah. then need LSU to finish undefeated. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think and I think LSU should get in even with one loss. Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. They've had a nasty nasty schedule already and they've they've really handled it. I mean, as long as they don't lose the I mean, that's what we haven't seen that I think is like, I mean, could totally throw a wrench in this is, I mean, let's say um, LSU were to lose in the SEC title game, right? Like, (laughs) what do you do with them then, right? I feel like that would be, that's at least a realistic chance because I would imagine, because obviously the game being played in Atlanta, I feel feel like LSU is going to be what, like a field goal favorite in that game? Maybe. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, so where it is? 
So it is, I, I, I was looking at where, so like Ohio State was like an eight-point favorite in beta rank over LSU. And I also looked at what, because somebody asked me that Bama would be about a five-point favorite over um, Utah, which is actually, if you're a Utah fan, I mean, I think that pers- particular person was a little disappointed at that outcome, but I'd be like, man, that's great. Like, you're, <laughs> like, look at how far you've come. Like, enjoy the road. Um, LSU on a neutral field would be about a six and a little over six, 6.39, um, favorite over Georgia. But I, yeah, I mean, I would almost make that three with it being in Atlanta. And I should mention, you can check out all of these sharp You could literally pick any team, um, from this year and like dating back to seven years ago and match them up together and see what the line would be. <laughs> it's, it's like a, it's a really good tool. So if you're listening, definitely check it out. I was going to say, Rob, one more question, just because I'm interested because I saw Matt Lindemann of Circa, uh, post this number. And I just want to see if, if beta rank has a similar, uh, thinking just because I thought that the line was spot on. What would you have Utah? Oregon, each team finishing 11 and one in Santa Clara. So yeah, right now with the data that we have in uh, Utah is a favorite. I actually had this one up earlier and it's uh beta rank has it as three on the nose. Yeah. Um, Oregon over, over Utah, or Utah over Oregon. So um, yeah, it's, it, it is a little bit flipped. I think a lot, of, I think people are actually underestimating the youth's chances. Cause I think if, I mean, the thinking goes that because they have that sort of weak non-conference schedule. But I think if they went out and beat Oregon, like, I mean, I, at that point, like, it, it, I, I think they have as good a shot as Oregon would have. This is different for us, Bryant. Like, we actually have to, like, uh, like cause Max, you weren't here last year. Like, we were, there was no playoff discussion. We didn't have to have this conversation because <laughs> the, Pac- the Pac-12 had two, three lost teams face off in Santa Clara. Like, <laughs> so we were... We were able to ignore the college football playoff politics and discussions. So this year we will actually get to cover it and talk about it. So we'll I, all be paying attention. I really, I really, really hope that we get the uh, Oregon Utah eleven and one showdown. I'm actually, I think I'm going to be a little nervous for Oregon when they go down to Tempe uh, next week. Ooh, okay. Ooh. I, I, why, why I, I just, they've handled their business every game this year. Like I've, I've kind of given them the benefit of the doubt. I just, I think that crystal ball is due for a slip up. I don't know why I just, and, and I'll give Oregon credit. They, they've been like much more resilient this year than last, but I don't know. I, I think that Utah is the much better team. So I, I'm, I'm more confident in them finishing 11 and one. And I just feel like Herm, Herm has something up his sleeve. I think that he, it just seems saying that, like, you know, Herm Edwards shakes up the college football playoff race. I, I need it. Uh, is that going to be like, is that going to be the 2019 version of the just, uh, Justin Herbert can't read zone game that happened in, in Tucson last year? I would just whew, like talk about de- Like we talk about the desert dogs and then they went ahead and just whooped Arizona in the desert. Like, is it, is it Oregon this year? It's going to struggle. Oh my gosh. You said, you said Herm had something up with the sleeve. I thought it was going to be a hug. Uh, right on well let's leave it there guys we we've been we've done an hour and a half of good hard 
analysis of the Pac-12. Um, again, if, if you like the show, write a review. It's the biggest thing you could do right now. Um, we'd certainly appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in. You can find Max Meyer at the Max Meyer on Twitter and, uh, sharpcollegefootball.com is our website. And Rob, where can the fine people follow your work? Uh, at BetaRank FB or at Sharp College Football. Thousand followers, by the way. Moving on up over there. We are cra- like it, it, I am excited because we have we have uh, Brian and I have chatted about this. Almost seventy percent of the college or the football of the followers on Sharp College Football are are high school football recruits, um, and and coaches or like and so I'm I'm interested to see sort of like as it grows um, and where it goes. Yeah, it'd be it'd be interesting if we got some NFL players, you know, uh, checking out the stats. But um, by the way, I can't I can't plug it enough. It's been you know, and and you know, th- watch this week. Beta rank goes like forty five percent against the spread or something. But but that model is humming. So definitely check it out. And uh, all right, guys. Well, we will catch you next week. And thanks for tuning in.